0: Welcome to the NCMI podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Eddie and Tia Baker on what it means to plant a church. Eddie and Tia lead Christen Gemeente Nordwurm in Nordwurm, Germany and are part of the NCMI Translocal team. For more resources on church planting and church leadership, please visit
1: ncmi.net. Thank you so much. Hi, you guys. It's, it's great to be here. Um, yeah. um, We're going to try and demonstrate. My wife has always said to me, she said, Eddie, you know, we must work on our marriage. We have the possibility of being a dream team. The biggest challenge to that, we always say we never think of divorce, but often of murder. So if we just don't kill each other, we we might make it, you know, (laughs) we might make it. And (laughs) so I'm standing here very thankful to be alive. (laughs) <laughs> and to share with you guys the things we have gone through. And we're going to share something, some things together. Uh, uh, um, you know, we planted a church in Europe which needs just like, who of you have got on your heart to plant somewhere outside of, outside of South Africa? Where? Just call it quickly. New Zealand? North America? I can't hear. New Zealand also? Someone else here? Asia, okay, we're in Asia, you don't know yet, okay, all right, why didn't, no one said Europe, yeah, you know, in Europe we've got over 240,000 cities and towns that have no church, just in France alone, church or towns and cities of over uh, uh, 10,000 people, there's over 35,000 that have no church. No evangelical free church. No, okay? So just so you know, God called us to plant a church. This year, it will be 25 years ago in Norton. It's a place, uh, um, and just for you to understand, it's a a city, small city of about 55,000 people. But since uh, after the war, there was only one free Pentecostal evangelical church, and that church in 40 years did not get 40 members. So it's not like many Bible-knowing uh, countries, even South Africa, where you start something and you'll immediately have some, you know, you'll, some you wish never came also, but, uh, 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 you know, it's, it's different. Okay. Now, Taya, can you please just come forward? Because uh, Taya's going to start with a bit and then, uh, um, you know, the whole, the whole thing of starting a church, just, uh, it, it's, it's quite a challenge, but it's also one of the most wonderful things and privileges that God calls us to
0: go for it. Thank you. Yes, I'm um, excited to be here, excited to see people that um, yeah, that, that want to plant churches. Uh, because uh, church is really something that I'm absolutely convinced about, that it's God's idea. Um, we see very uh, much ministries centered around one gifting. We used to be one of those ministries but we really believe that God brings those ministries together in church um, because only together we can um, grasp a little bit of the length with the height and the depth of God's love. So our, um, our um, mandate for today was a testimony about planting church. And um, when I thought of, about how our journey was, there were two things on my mind. And the first one is being sure you are called to this task. And I just want to speak a little bit about um, why that was important to me. Eddie um, already said that this summer it will be 25 years um, since we planted the church that we are in. And uh, and it's been quite a journey. But I just want to start a little bit by testimony just of my life. My parents raised me God-fearing. And that meant as I was uh, preparing, I said to Eddie... Um, I'm so thankful for my parents for raising me this way that they, uh, it has never been so clear on my mind of course I knew it but when I was preparing I, I just maybe it was a download from God I don't know but I, I just got these sentences it, it meant that they raised me God-fearing it meant that God was the focus of our lives that serving him and pleasing him was key And that staying within the boundaries he has set for his children to ensure we live under his blessing was part of our daily life. And that is really true. My grandparents planted the church that I was raised in um, many, many, many moons ago. But how my parents raised me instilled in me a seriousness concerning God and a certain hunger when I met like missionaries when they came to preach in our church or people, um, I don't know if you, you know, there used to be this organization Open Doors when, when um, Russia and the, the countries behind what we called the Iron Curtain, um, which went through the middle of Germany, and um, uh, Bibles were forbidden there and they smuggled Bibles. And I remember as a young girl that I would dream, I don't know if you, do, if you have the same thing, but I always think everybody wants to be a hero everybody wants to do something great, something significant, something that matters. I don't know, maybe you don't have to, but I used to have that, and I would dream as a, as a, a, a young girl that I would have this big bus, and, and under, underneath the bus we would put all the Bibles, and we would drive over the Iron Curtain, and I would get out and hand out Bibles, and I would preach the gospel. So there was already this, this um, yeah, this, this thing. I, there's this verse that always speaks to me, um, about David in Acts 13. It says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers. But for me, this after he had served the purpose of God for his generation, it always stirs something within me that I think, I want to serve the purpose of God for my generation. If only that could be said over your life, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I had this longing from a young age, and then the Lord called me into full-time ministry by bringing Eddie into my life. We fell in love, and he was sent to Holland. He can tell that himself, but um, to preach the gospel, and we married, and, and then automatically I was in that full-time ministry, and we were work, working into Holland with the message of the cross, and um, And he was invited in lots and lots of churches, lots of them uh, traditional churches, and people would get excited about the the message of the cross, and they would um, they 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 got saved. Some of them got baptized. Then they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's a problem in the traditional churches because they baptized the babies and the giftings. They don't think they are for today, so most of them were asked to leave, and um, and we saw that we had new wine. But the, the wineskins these people were in were somehow old and couldn't keep that wine. And the wine would, after a few years, those people would, yeah, we just, we, we didn't exactly know what to do with it. And then the Lord started speaking to us through a book of Watchman Nee, The Church and the Work. And uh, we, we saw that, that God's idea is the church. And we saw what we were doing was actually more like the apostolic ministry, Uh, being invited into churches and and um, working there so we we discovered how extremely important that wineskin was and we really dove into the biblical model and we were really excited about it but we were a parachurch ministry not in a church so it was still and then we met Gerd don't know if anyone knows Gerd and through Gerd, he introduced us to New Covenant Ministries. And there we found people with exactly the same heart, exactly the same love for the church and the apostolic work, and they'd already been doing it for years. So, yeah, that was really, um, God was really preparing us that we should plant ourselves. We didn't see ourselves as church leaders because we were more of a yeah, a ministry going into churches. We were not... So enticed by the idea to to um to um yeah take care of the sheep all the time it's easier to to uh, go in and preach okay, but shortly after that, God called us to plant and in the city we were living in and we felt extremely inadequate, never having been in a biblical- model church or whatever you want to call it, never been members there or deacons or leaders or elders so we had this feeling um, we had to invent a wheel all over again but when God calls you he will enable you it doesn't matter what calls what God calls you for it can be anything but what matters is if we are willing to obey because if you want to serve the purpose of God you have to let go of your own dreams your own expectations your own Things. and for me it was extremely important to know that God called us because I was not willing to do anything that I didn't feel we had God's back up for especially church which consists of people and um, the thing is if you come to the point where you know that you know that you know then because 25 years means we've had some storms But if you know that you are called, you are able to endure. You are able to stand. You are able to know. Because you know that God will either sort you or those people out. You know it. So you're not willing to give up. Um, And for me, it was really, Lord, grant us to fulfill your will for our life. Because to me, I said it to Eddie last month. I said, Eddie, to me, there's nothing sweeter than being able to say, I'm doing what I believe God wants me to do with my life I'm living um, the way he led us to live yeah I don't I don't know is there is David says in the in Psalm 27 one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. For me, and it doesn't matter if you need to plant a church or if you have to be in a career, and that's God's will for you, but if you are in God's will, I don't know, it's the sweetest spot in life. Storms may come, and they come, and they will go, but you just know the Lord begs me, and and I'm exactly where he wants me to be. Okay.
1: Um, for me also, why did I want to plant a church? I was traveling, like Teja said, and there was one stage I was preaching uh, 30 times in 28 days. You know, just uh, uh, my first calling was to Holland. I was traveling. Holland is 350 kilometers long, 250 wide. So that's small. One, at one stage, in two months, I did 15,000 kilometers. You know, and then God called us to start and plant a church with just 17 people that look at you. You didn't greet me when you saw me at the supermarket last week, you know. And, uh, but, but when I left South Africa, I said to the Lord, I gave up my career. I was qualified as a chartered accountant for when I was 23. I said, Lord, I will give up all my friends, all my family. I'll leave them behind, my career. But I ask you one thing, you know, I don't want to go and do half a job on the other side. I want my fruit to last. I don't want to have, we have a great meeting and people came safe and in a couple of months they're back in the world. I don't want to have that even in 20 years. Yeah, they used to serve God. You know, this cross message that Thea spoke about, uh, that we preached all over. I had two years ago, people came to me that heard it 30 years ago when I preached it in a, in a city in Holland. And, and, and they, they spoke about how it changed their lives. They, were still, they came straight out of a traditional church. Uh, you know, God has been just so faithful in those things. But, but you know, the, 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 it, it's God's will for you. You need to really hear that. Uh, uh, John 15 verse 16 says, you did not choose me but I chose you. And why? And I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit will remain. You don't wanna to get to heaven and say, I've paid such a high price, I've suffered so many disappointments and there's three guys that got blessed by it. Okay, I'll be happy for those three. I've always said, Lord, if it's just one, it's, uh, I'll be happy for that guy, you know? It was worth it, I realized that. But I don't want to think, yeah, I've reached many and I haven't, you know. So, And he says then, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. But like Theo said, you must know. For me, when I left South Africa, God spoke to me um, uh, through Genesis 3, uh, 31 verse 3, stand up, go to the land of your fathers. My parents immigrated from Holland uh, in the 50s uh, after the war. He uh, said, go to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. Now, I cannot tell you how many times those words have been a source of encouragement to me. I can't tell you how many times. I remember when my ticket expired, my return ticket. And and we went there with, we were from mission school with a team of five and the other four had left. They they went back. And I sat in in those woods and I cried. And I knew today my ticket expires. And I'm not going back, because God said, "Go." But these words, "I will be with you," have given me the count. now, more than 30 years ago. That was 1988. You know, and, and then the time came, like Thea said, the experiences, we've had wonderful experience. I mean, in one place, we went into a traditional church, and, and, and we, uh, uh, um, there were 30 people coming. Of those, 20 were baptized. Half the church council got saved, got baptized, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and got kicked out. And we didn't know what to do with them. There's w- wonderful, full, full challenges. But then came the call, and with meeting with Gerd, Dolk, and with the team, we realized we need to plant churches. At our farmhouse, we rented the Plot God us just across the border in Germany. I couldn't speak a word of German. I had to learn to we'll speak more about those things tomorrow when planting in a different culture. But, uh, uh, you know, you know we, had, we had over 50 adults staying with us, some for six months, some for a year, some for two years. That was our model. You know, some became co-workers. They didn't have to pay anything. We didn't make our needs known. That was our model. You know, I said to people, we see the bottom of the deep freeze, we see the bottom of your heart, you know, and, and, the, but the Lord was faithful, the Lord was faithful, and then came this thing, planted church, you know, I mean, I was terrified, I was, I, I'd never done this, I've never been in a successful, in that sense, local church, I was in Pretoria, and I optimized my students, and I was, I was a youth, uh, I was in a very nice Pentecostal church, but never in a, in a church doing the great commandment like those churches we seek to be within our family of friends of new covenant you know I've never been that. I mean I sat with Leon Dale who planted this church there with him I said I said well Leon how do you lead a, a deacon's meeting chup I put my tape recorder on now some of you might not even know what a tape recorder is you know that thing tell me I've never done one I don't know you know, so what you need when you plant a church is uh, I found myself, Stan. I was very encouraged by, by, by the last season. I must say that, Stan, that it really encouraged me. You, that was, and, and he said one of the biggest threats to a team leader is when he loses courage. Yo, I, I never saw it from that side, because my father always said about me. He said Eddie has got more courage than brains. Now, I don't know if that's because he thought I was stupid, but, but in a sense, you, you want to plant the church. I'm going to say, you're stupid. Go find something else. You, you need courage, you know? You need courage. And, and you need to know what is God's part and what is our part. You need to know that. Because otherwise, you're going you're gonna to get tired and you're going to so, try to do God's part. Because one plants, one sows, but God gives life. And that was what Thea and myself stretched ourselves out. We said, we want an organic church. We are, I'm not willing to do a religious thing. I'm not willing to do that. So that was, that was what we stretched ourselves out to do, to do. So the first thing we learned... We, we, on that uh, plot that we had, we, at that stage, we were about 12 or so full-time. And we were all full-time. Hey? We had no salary, no income, and nothing. But we were, and we wanted to plant a church, and the Lord did not give us freedom. It was amazing. But what did I learn from that? I learned that a church cannot be organized. It has to be born you have to know that God is saying, now's the time, because he gives life. Okay, so, so remember, that, remember that. Okay, now, so we had to wait two years. And after two years, the time came where God said, and he made us clear, now's the time. Then, what do you need to do? It's like a, like a baby. Now, many people say, oh, I don't know how to plant a church. But when you got married, you also didn't know how to run a family. You didn't. And then to have kids. Well, and then suddenly the first kid was there, because, well, I don't want to, you know how our, our kids, uh, you know, whatever. But then the kid's there, and then what's the challenge? You've got to keep that kid alive. It's obvious. And just the same with the church. We, we started, we had 17 people, you know. Well, okay, we were 17 adults. Okay, we've got to keep them alive. So what does that mean? Right? That means, it means Corinthians, or, uh, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says, um, for God, who also made us adequate, He makes us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we got to learn how are we going to allow the Spirit to lead us and to, and, and to, in, in all these things. So, one way, of course, the first way is said through the foolishness of preaching. Greg is gonna do a nice session tomorrow on that. But preaching, you, we need we need preaching. And so what God led us to do is this mission school that we had, we we turned it into a, 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 a Bible school for, for the church of foundation course of 20 studies. We used to preach that all over Holland and we brought it into the church and 80 to 85% of people, our people have been through that uh, uh, school. Now, you know, it lays foundations. And you know what? The, the the thing about that is no one goes and stands at the building. You know, I mean I love Cornerstone's building. There's many of wonderful buildings within your also. But no one stands outside and says, Wow, great foundations. This church has got this building is God. You don't, because you don't see them. But I want to tell you, in 25 years, we've never had a theological arguments about things. Of course, it's sorted out. The foundations have been laid. And I tell you. And I don't want to sound judgmental or arrogant about this, but even within our ranks, I've seen all over the world, planted, Jesus being planted in our ranks even, struggling for many years. And I've stood there and I've looked and i said, you know what? They've, they've, they've jumped over the part where you had to lay foundations. That's why Paul says, I could speak many things about you, but I chose not to, but only Jesus and him crucified. So we've now tried to develop a course, uh, uh, also in, the, in this Corona time, online in three languages, English, Dutch, and German, where we've tried to get this as a tool uh, for guys if they wanted to use it, you know. Uh, okay, so we give the young guys opportunities. We've, we very quickly, there will be lots of teaching on that this week as well, gave guys opportunities to preach. We brought them on a preach course, and and one all our elders today, we're a team of six uh, couples, and all of them have been trained by us as preachers. You know, they never used to preach, and and, and there's some good preachers there now. But the first preachers course, I remember 2003 or or two or so, was nine guys, Uh, uh, um, and and then the second one, I I challenged some of the youth, and there were two young guys, one 13-year-old, one 14-year-old. They came they did their preaching because every night when you came, you had to do a preaching, then you teaching, and then and then they could go home, and then the others did. And when the course was finished, I gave the one guy, the one young guy, I gave a chance to preach. And everybody in the church remembers to this day what that young man preached. He took the pulpit like that, and he said, "Of course, I'm not uh, nervous." let's start immediately, <laughs> and then he preached on, he said it's, it's easy to trust God when it's going well, but what do you do when it's going bad, and he spoke about Jesus who on the cross said, Father, into your hands I, I commit myself, it was excellent, and, and, and the other guys, today he's a young man, leads our youth and preaches in the church, okay, the next preacher's course, there were, we were over 30, and there were 12 from the youth who participated, you know, okay, Okay, another way to to, uh, make sure we give life is we want to have prophetic uh, meetings led by the Holy Spirit. Now, as Dudley has always said, it's one of the most difficult things to do, to lead a meeting. And, And I think we really need to understand that. For me, when a meeting becomes predictable, there's a red flag going up. Because the Spirit bloweth where He wants to, or the wind the wind blows who it wants to. From where he comes, no one knows. Where he goes to, no one knows. So the moment you start getting comfortable at leading meetings, you're in trouble. Because it's supposed to stay difficult. You're supposed to be dependent on God every meeting. Church meeting, you see. So the, the, the worship team they lead the flow and you, you, you want to have your prophetic elders and, but you teach people uh, but it stays difficult. I don't have time to go in too much on that right now. But this was a challenge during Corona because, because God has blessed us. My wife is very gifted in, in worship and, and she built a great team. We've had great worship. They've done made two CDs uh, uh, already and, but, but during the Corona time suddenly you had lockdowns and, and now what do you do? Now, obviously, we knew this online meeting, this is not it. But we wanted to keep it alive. You know, people need life. They need bread from heaven. So one of the things we did, we said the people could, when they participate, they can give a a, a WhatsApp word, speak it in, you know. But I said 30 30 seconds to one minute. You know, if they send too long, I send it back. I say, you've got to shorten it. You know, but we felt, and then we brought that into the live meetings and we reacted. For instance, those are things we, we, we tried because we wanted that aspect. And we want to keep that no matter the size of the congregation, whether we were 10 or whether we're going to be hopefully 500 one day or more. We want to keep that because God, we want to need, we meet, uh, as Ray Oliver always said, when we meet together in the, on Sundays it's not to meet each other and have great coffee like you guys have here and every it's to meet god during the week we meet god in each other okay so that's then there's an attack on the life of god you got to realize that the devil will always attack the baby just like he tried to kill jesus always and on the life of uh, in in the church meeting when the, the main attack will be against that to try and kill the life And how? Okay, by by sin. Grant just wonderfully explained that we need to do discipline. I think in our years, there was about 10 times where we've had to ask guys to leave, you know, because they chose to to, to live uh, uh, outside of marriage and things like that, you know, and and we have to choose. and, and, And praise God, I think six or seven of those people have repented and came back stronger than ever. You know Of course, you need to do it. I don't have to go into that grant, did a good job to do that with love. But we need to do it. And it's different also, because the one comes from the world, the guys we're going to reach in today and age, know nothing about the Bible. So you need to give them time. But a guy who's been to Bible school and who knows all these things and yet is wise in his own estimation, I'll give you an hour. No, not really. I'll, I'll maybe give him a week. <laughs> I don't want to say, But you notice when God. Calls, okay, you you'll understand the next the next few points. You know. Uh, okay, uh, they can get wrong food, poisoned doctrine. Grant also spoke about that. Wrong food can can uh, kill the life. We need to give heed. First Timothy four verse sixteen says, "Give heed to thyself and to thy teaching. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt save both thyself." and... And those that hear thee, I hope you're a, a lover of the Word of God. I hope you do, you can't get enough. I hope you are willing to as the moment when God allows you to have more time and full time or part time. I hope that you spend hours every day in God's Word. I really do. I try to read through the Old Testament every year and 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 twice. Through the New Testament, at least, and that's separate from my preparation. But I love it, it speaks to me, it's God's Word, it's alive. Okay, another way life gets killed you know, if you have kids, you have a family, so they're born, you're gonna make sure they don't kill each other (laughs) if you wanna keep the life in the church, you know. So, you gotta see this church that gets planted. As a family, it's not an organization. We'll get to that tomorrow as well because that, for instance, in Holland is a huge problem. Okay, family is an organization. But I think, you know, Stan just wonderfully also said that. You have gotta prepare yourself for the hurt that's gonna come for relationships that are gonna be broken where people you've invested in them, maybe even years, and they turn their back on you got to be braced for that. The first time it hit us, I mean, we we grew the first, uh, I think the first year we grew to about 30 people and and by the end of the second year we bought a building, God gave us a building and, and we were about 40 people and then we lost six. I can't tell you how that hurt, how painful that was. I mean, we wanted to stop. My co-elder, Franz and Tanya, and, and even Thea said, at that age, Thea said to me, Eddie, why can't I just go having a job, go fetch my children at school and laugh and not to walk with the pain of those, of those things? You know, and I just, I, 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 for, for myself, I was willing. I would say, Lord, if you say stop, we're we gonna stop. And then we went on a time, we had a culture of prayer and fasting all these years and I felt God say, you know, this church will be built through prayer, and I didn't feel God said you must pray. Also, we, we wanted to have that culture and exhibit it, but I even felt if we don't pray, God will always raise the people to to prayer, to pray. You know, and and, and, and so oh, a wonderful thing happened. Then there was another time about a year later or two years later, we'd grown to about seventy people, and then we, there was some rebellion of one guy going around to all the, the home group leaders behind the elders back and speaking about the elders. There was real rebellion and 12 people, we, we lost 12 to 15 people, we lost. But this time I felt like someone, God gave us a scripture, John 15, where God prunes in order that you may have more fruit. So also there's times like that. And I could share it with you. Know, I feel this is what God has done. And three months after that, the guy who did that committed suicide. Two of the three families, I think, that left got divorced. The fear of God fell upon our church. And we, in no time, the places were filled and we grew to over 100 adults in no time. But with the fear of God on us, you don't play with these things. You know, it's God's church. Then, we don't want these children of ours to become fat babies, You don't want them. They just feed and just sit. So you want to make sure also that right from the start, you teach them to reach out, to reach out, to always spread, be always willing to tell people about the good news, give opportunities, you know, to tell them what you receive. Go tell someone, encourage them. And not everybody's an evangelist. I, I love doing the work of an evangelist, but I'm not an evangelist. It's not my first calling. But often, and my wife, she, she's got a heart for it, but she, she sometimes she, she's too scared to do it. So we stop at the garage station, and then she says to me, Eddie, those guys inside there, go tell them about Jesus and about God. You know, so I come in there, I say, you guys, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My wife has just said, I must tell you guys about God. There's nothing I can do about that right now. (laughs) I've got it. So they say, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) I mean, in in Africa, these things are normal. It's not normal in Europe. It's really not. You know, but yet guys are hungry. Guys are hungry. We'll talk about that a little bit more. You want to help them grow. You want to help them grow. And this is, I'm almost at my last point, and then Taya will come with with a little bit something important that I feel God has also given her. If you want to help people, every people that God entrusts to you, because that's what it is, it's a privilege. I mean, I stand here. When Marcus asked us to come and said if we could, I found it an enormous privilege. I mean, who am I? Who are we that you would even take time to listen to us? But it's the same in your church. What right have you got that someone would come every week and sit down for an hour and listen to you? I mean, come on. And yet God gives you this privilege. And it's, it's, so don't, let us not deal lightly with it because he loves those people. You know, when he called me, he, said, he called me by saying to me three times, he said, do you love me, Eddie? I said, yes, Lord, go feed my sheep. You love me? Yeah. Go feed my lambs. I said, Lord, I'm not a pastor. You know, go feed my sheep. And I knew I was called to, and Jim Lamont, who gave over to you, Jim, hey? Jim Lamont, who laid her hands on us for ordination. He, he, I said to him, Jim, Jim, I'm terrified. I'm not a pastor. He said, Eddie, it's going to be like going to the gym and you're going to have pains and you, at places where you didn't even know there were muscles. It's going to hurt but it's going to grow, you know, so he was very encouraging, that was, (laughs) but what does it mean also that we help people to find their goal, their purpose in God, and it will help if you don't try to be someone else that God hasn't called you to be. Tell, maybe you can share
0: something. It's actually lunchtime
1: because this lovely brother, oh really this lovely brother had excellent things to say and he stole your time okay <laughs> didn't take my time, time. of
0: course <laughs> okay I'll t- try and make it very short but when I thought about testimony about planting a church two things came to my mind the first was that I really needed to know God called us to it to, to do this but the second thing over the 25 years to me which is very important is understanding who God made you to be because when you plant a church in the beginning, it's like pioneering. You have to do everything. You do, you clean the building, you, you, you set the worship up, you preach, you do the children's ministry, you do the youth ministry, you do the home group, you do the, the pastoral care, you do everything just because there's no one else yet. But not, you're not necessarily good at everything. And when we planted, I was—I think I was young. I was 26. Eddie was 35, 36, something like that. And and uh, the other elder couple was was uh, much much older than me. And. And I, I hated the prospect of being a pastor's wife, the typical pastor's wife, because I had dreams, you know, I wanted to be that hero that goes over the border and brings the Bibles, you know, so, so I thought, oh, I have to go to every birthday on my own and I have to do ladies' meetings, oh my goodness, I thought I don't even like ladies' meetings, I don't even go myself. You know, so 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 I I really thought so. What am I going to do? I don't want to be you know the pretty attachment to the preacher. I I, I really no I I I hated that prospect, and but I, but I didn't know you know I didn't know I was twenty six. I didn't know. I I find it sometimes easier to know what you're not good at, than to know what you're good at. And it it, it takes some 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 uh, you know soul searching and some, some uh, walking with the Lord. And, um, yeah, so, um, but then the, the God showed me, uh, it's a very simple thing and you all know it, but it, to me, it, free, it really freed me up. And he just showed me this thing from Ephesians, um, in Ephesians four, where he says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So I understood, so the things that I do and I feel God is winded, giving wind in my sails, that's the thing he, he's created me for. And that thing that I do and I, I really, I, you know, people, when you start a church, people expect you to remember their birthdays in their birthday week. You know, like Eddie said, you get in a supermarket and you're already late for your next appointment and you don't see them or you can just wave and, and they hold it against you. You know, people, people are terrible. And, and you maybe hear it already. I'm so not a shepherd. So, so. Um, <laughs> but God wants to... So I, I looked at the the, the older ladies in the, in the church and I saw they were so lovable and so accessible. And I saw everybody loved going to them with their troubles. And then I thought, yeah, they're not coming to me. But they would come to me when they got stuck. Then they would come to Eddie and me because we are much more prophetic, straightforward. You come to me, you tell your problem we will say straight to you, listen, this or this or this. And that is helpful, but not everybody wants that. Some people just want, ah, you know, ah, ah, that's much nicer. So I tried to be one of those, ah, ah, but I couldn't bear it. I was miserable. I was totally miserable. So I understand that God the grace and gifts go to God together and that everyone has received gifts now we know the gifts in Romans 12 in first Corinthians 12 we know them from Ephesians 4 um the persons uh, the apostle the the shepherd the, the 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 teacher the evangelist I forgot one yeah the prophet and I understood oh listen I don't need to be like those ladies I I I must find how I need to be. And I found like, like the your focus that you have in your working might maybe be more that of a king. You are more interested in the work in getting the work done than the people. And the priest is more involved about getting the, the people um, along. And, the, and the, the prophet is more concerned, what does God say about this? And I learned that, that those are all right. And I don't need to be the one that cares for the people. Of course I care for the people. I love the people in, in our church. I just don't remember the, the names and ages of their children because that changes every year. Who can keep up? I can't. I can't keep up. So <laughs> I, I want, I, I, I'm so blessed that I'm in the worship team because we have a great worship team and we, we, we have a real, but, but it's not a big worship team. So we are almost on every Sunday. And we love it, all of us. We don't mind. We, we, uh, but it means that I can't greet the people before the church. I just can't because I'm practicing, I'm rehearsing. So that's, that's for me, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's good. But um, yeah, so it just means that there are different personalities. There are different roles. There's different focus. And we need all those focuses. There's a different mode of work. There's different gifts and strengths. And I received grace for my strengths. And I don't have to do all those other things anymore that I needed to do in the beginning. I can go with my strengths where I know the Lord has, sometimes I, like I, I said before, sometimes in the worship, I feel I was created to do this. And I mean, that is the best feeling. Because you know, and there's other things, you know you're going to fail. I am going to fail. I don't remember birthdays. I once went up to a couple in church. I thought, come on, let's, come on, be, be good and, and go meet new people. I said, hi, uh, nice to see you. Are you new here? And they said to me, oh, we've been coming uh, for two years. So I thought, okay, I won't do this again. It's just not me. <laughs> I don't remember faces. I don't remember names. I can't help it. So anyway, so understand who God made you to be. And if you understand that, it gives you so much freedom, so much freedom to be who you are, and you don't have to be all those good things that you see, really good things, but God gave them to other people, so you don't have to be those things. And then you understand how God made other people to be, and then you learn, okay, so if if we have an elders meeting, and this is my perspective, and someone comes like, I'm done, Eddie. Like, the, 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 like um, Eddie and me were more visionaries and more uh, more prophetic, and would say, "Oh, we really feel God says, this is the next thing we need to do in the church." And then always the shepherd will come and, "Yeah, but the people are not ready. They are not far. We first need to do this." And the other elder is an evangelist, always say, "Always these plans. Can't we just go on the street? We haven't been doing that for a long time. And it's always on the lowest point of the agenda, but then you, and you get annoyed. Because you have your perspective. But then you learn, oh no, but that is also God's perspective. And that is also God's perspective. And we need to listen because only together we will grasp the breadth, the length. The okay, that's just all I wanted to say. First Peter 4 verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God.
1: Thanks, there. Yeah, guys, just, just in closing, it's, uh, um, it's so wonderful to, to also acknowledge your shortcomings and, and to realize in many of them you can grow, you know, and it, it, it shouldn't sound, we, we, and I, we'd like to just share our hearts, it's, it's, uh, we're not saying we did it all right, we, we made many mistakes, I actually, I actually learned more from the moments when I realized, hey, I misunderstood God, when I then asked, why, Lord? Why? Why did I misunderstand you? Was there a wrong motive in my heart? Was I trying to please people? Because if you don't do that, you will lose confidence to seek God for the future. You have to, you have to, that's part of what, what uh, Stan was all saying, being vulnerable and being, you know, uh, we all, I think it was Watchman who said that at least the first 10 years you must wear a, an L sign here in South Africa. I'm learning a work in progress, you know? And I've realized, let's make that, that uh, 10 years, let's make it 40, you know? But God is gracious. And if he's called you to this wonderful world of, 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 of giving you people, you know? And, and, and now, I just wanna, in closing, just say this. You know what is for me in an organic church, what's for me is the greatest compliment? I know when I am somewhere in a meeting, I know I'm very present, I know I'm a big mouth. I know that. You know what is one of the greatest compliments when people come to our church? It's when they say, they come there and they say, I couldn't see who the leader was. Now, it's not moments, These moments I've got a stir of vision and, you know. I, could, I would not have been able to get back into translocal work and preaching and helping other churches, you know, uh, uh. uh if, if, if we didn't do this and try to practice, and I, and I mean, really, honestly, I heard a couple of things from team I said, you Eddie, these are points we need to work on. This is encouraging to hear. This gives me uh, 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 some wisdom, I think. And I'm going to say, oh, you guys, I thought about it. And no, 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 I'll say, <laughs> I got it from Stan, you know. But, but, but if we do that, you know, then, then guys, the guys take up. Now I could come here. Not be And I must say also, I've seen in Marcus also that modeled. I've seen I've seen lots of foundations in this church. So those are I, I try to look at good examples. I try to look at other men and learn from them. And learn from them. And going back when he has called you, he is faithful. He will, he will not leave you alone. The Lord will be your helper what can man do to you? And they are beautifully said, every situation, I know, Lord, you want to do something in me, or you're going to do something in the people, but you're not going to stop working. We're living, I believe we're living, we're going toward the end, and I believe God is going to do a great work amidst very difficult circumstances on the earth. I want to keep my eyes on him. If anywhere, any of us in the team, that's why we do this. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want you to have more courage than brains. And once you start it, get some brains and get some wisdom. And May God bless you guys. eh? Right.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Remember to go to ncmi.net for more resources.